devote themselves to my myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned into meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about and what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for sexual immorality, for those practising homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that confirms, conforms to the, co- to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which, we entrust, which he entrusted to me. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to be bringing the word today. A few months ago, I went up to Andrew and I said, Andrew, I feel God's telling me to preach one day. But I said, not yet, because I wasn't ready then. And Andrew said, okay, when you're ready, just let me know. So a couple of weeks ago, we were just trying to think who's going to be preaching today, because baby's come, didn't know who else to ask. Mike had done his, Selwyn's done one. And um, yeah, passing, and I felt God saying, I must ask God, so is, it, is now the time? Am I supposed to do it now? And he said, you do it. I said, oh, really, God? You want me to do it this time? He goes, yep, you do it. Okay. So I went to Andrew and I said, um, I think God's telling me to preach. He goes, great, you go for it, Kim. <laughs> okay, all right, so here I go. And the title of the message is actually called Hold On. 
So I'm going to hold on, and I know that you're all going to hold on with me as I bring God's word. I just want to share with you a story first, personal thing that I went through the first time. I really had to hold on and cling to the faith, because that's what we're going to look at today, verse 19, in that um, first chapter of Timothy. Um, I had been blessed with two beautiful boys. One of them is up there in the sound desk. Um, Wonderful young man and another older young man who now lives in Brisbane. And I just longed for a little girl. I loved, I love my boys. They would just, I love being with them, having time with them. Gorgeous. But I don't know, a mother's heart is just to, mine was just to have a little daughter. And so I prayed for a whole year before I got pregnant. God, I'd love a girl. Even if it wasn't a girl, I would still be happy. But that was just what I asked God for. Became pregnant. During my pregnancy at 29 weeks, I got very, very sick. I could not breathe. Um, Fred was in the dairy at the time. I had to call him out, struggled for every breath. Thought they first thought it was an asthma attack um, associated with pregnancy because I did have a little trouble at the end of my being pregnant with Hayden um, with breathing. So taken to hospital. Uh, nothing with Ventolin or anything to do with asthma worked. So they thought, okay, this is a bit more serious. I was in Timboon, rushed to Warrnambool by ambulance, um, blood pressure dropping, all of that. And they discovered that I'd had a pulmonary embolism, which is a lung clot. So quite serious. Um, It can kill you. But anyway, God had his hand on me. And he had his hand on the baby. Throughout the whole time, I was in intensive care for 48 hours. um, And we really had to cling to our faith in that time. But in that whole time, my baby had a strong heartbeat. God was protecting the baby. I had no idea it was a girl or a boy. I never want to know what the sex of my baby was. (laughs) That's one thing that I like to keep, yeah, a surprise. Um, But God was protecting what was her at the time. So following that, I had to give myself heparin injections, morning and night, um, until the baby was born and then six weeks afterwards. So it was quite serious, keeping my blood thin so that I could give birth. Went into early labour, ended up being an emergency caesarean because her heart rate dropped. Um, But she was born healthy and well. So that was great. Then two and a half months later, Shay developed whooping cough. That was absolutely horrendous. The worst time, I reckon, of my life that I've ever had to go through to watch your child, your baby, struggle for every breath. I was in Tasmania at the time when it first started, visiting my parents who were living there then. I'd put Shay down to sleep. My sister went into, it was on my sister's bed. She went in and she saw that Shay was blue. She came out with Shay in her arms and she said, Kim, I think something's wrong with Shay. I took one look at her and I don't know, maybe a mother's instinct or something just kicked in. I put her over my leg. I was sitting on the thing and I just patted her back, percussion, until she let out a massive <laughs> and coughed. And she came too. And then I just broke down. I just fell into a heap. Um, from then on, it was just a struggle. She struggled for every breath. Her coughs were horrible. Um, she fed quite well, which was good. But it just kept going and going. And I, in the end, just lay on my mum's bed and I yelled at God. I said, God, why? You've given me this little girl and now you're going to take her? It's not fair. Why are you doing this to me? I got so, so mad at God. I didn't want to talk to him. In the end, I just was yeah, lying there 
angry, so, so angry. I wasn't even crying. My mum came in. I still can picture my mum's face kneeling next to me on the bed. And she said, Kim, you cannot blame God. You cannot blame God for this. It's the sin in the world that does this. You need to give Shay to God because he's not yours, he is God's. And you need to now hold on to the faith that he's put into your heart. You need to cling to that and believe that God has got a plan and a purpose for this little girl and he's going to use her. And I just said, no, mum, I can't do that. I got really angry. And then mum, she had a right, it was a righteous anger. It wasn't the anger, you know, that you're mad, that, ooh, it was a real righteous anger. And she said, Kim, don't you do this. You do not blame God. And that's what she did and she walked out. So I just lay there and in the end I just started sobbing. I said, okay, God, you've given me this little girl. You have a plan and a purpose for her. I give her to you. I give her back to you now. Use her. So I went out and I just started looking after my little girl again. The three months, three to four months following that were the hardest months of Fred in our lives. We had to sit up a little bed next to our bed because every time she coughed, we had to get her up and get her out of it. It was horrible. I don't ever want any parent to have to go through that because it's really scary. But God brought her through. She is now a beautiful young lady, 23 years old, also living in Brisbane. Um, and she is serving the Lord there in the church there and helping a lot of young youth, young girls um, up there. And I just praise God for her and the growth that um, is in her. So that's my story of the first time I ever had to cling to faith. Shall we just pray a minute? Father, I pray that as I bring your word, that it not be my words, but your words, Lord, that hearts and minds and eyes will be open to what you are saying to them, Lord, that you will guide me, that you'll guide each person here to know what you are saying to them today through your word. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, I'm going to be focusing on verse 19, which is holding on to faith and a good conscience. That's the NIV version. I've got a few versions here I just want to share. To cling tightly to your faith in Christ, always keeping your conscience clear. That's the new living. I love this one in the Amplified. Holding fast to faith, that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence and having a good or clear conscience. And the message says, keeping a firm grip on your faith and yourself after all, this is a fight we're in. We are in a fight. So in this chapter that Karen just read for us, thank you, Karen, um, Paul is writing to Timothy to urge the followers of Christ in Ephesus not to continue to teach false doctrines or to devote themselves to myths, endless genealogies and meaningless talk. Actually, the whole book of Timothy is, is a warning directed to the leaders and certain members of the church to not devote, to not deviate from the revealed truth, the truth of Jesus. Because by doing so, they would replace faith with speculation and love with dissension. And this can bring damaging results in a person's life as well as in the church because it can spread like wildfire. 
Its fundamental cause is the rejection of a good conscience before God. So, Timothy is to stay at his post, Paul says, stay there, to fight well, to demolish the error that these people are teaching and to contend earnestly for the truth. And in the context, as I said, I want to focus on verse 19, which is our need to hold on or cling to our faith in Christ with a good conscience. And I have three points. A good Reformed Church message. <laughs> this is how I was. My dad was taught. My dad was a pastor, if those of you who don't know. Um, and he always had three points. So I've got three points. Hold on in false teaching. Hold on when life is tough. And hold on in truth. I will drink a lot, by the way. Okay, first one, hold on in false teaching. So easily, life or people will try to bring us down or suck us in. Many people will tell us how we should live out our faith. They'll come with their ideas or tell you things that in your heart you know are not true. But you'll still question them. They say, you've got to do this, you've got to follow that, you've got to listen to this person, you've got to go to that conference, you have to go to that service. All of those things. And then your faith will grow. It'll keep growing and growing. Yes, those things are great. But if we have a shallow faith, as David Manning said two weeks ago, he spoke about shallow faith, sometimes we can easily be led astray and we'll just follow these people. We should always, when we go or hear anything, be discerning. We need to ask God, what are you trying to say? Are you in this? Are you telling me something here? Ask God for a discerning heart and mind. Don't take everything you hear as gospel. God wants us to go deeper in our faith in him. And in that, he tells us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. When we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can be discerning and we can recognise that it's the right thing that's being said or the wrong thing. Always go back. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when we hear things, we need to clear our conscience, focus on who Jesus is and what he's done. We need to always go back to God's word and to seek him. Unless it is teaching the true doctrine, which is that of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, then it is not the right kind of truth. We need to cling to the faith that God has put in us. If spending time in God's word does not produce love from a pure heart, a good conscience, or sincere faith in us, something's wrong. If we are constantly listening to what other people are telling us and not questioning it against what God says in his word, then we can become sidetracked in our faith. Our conscience can become foggy. We won't be able to grow in our faith and we'll instead focus on ourselves and our works in order to please God. And we could then begin to struggle to cling to him in our faith. 
So watch your life and your doctrine closely. Bring your focus back on him and his truth, for his way is the only way. And it said in that passage, he is the king eternal, immortal. He is the only God and only to him do we bring the honour and glory. Not to people, to Jesus do we bring the glory and honour. When I was part of the Reformed Church, we weren't allowed to participate in communion or the Lord's Supper until we had publicly professed our faith. Now, public profession of faith is similar to a baptism, except we got baptised as infants in the church, and then when we were older, we stood up before the church and they asked us, so what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So you're professing that you love Jesus and you want to follow him. At the age of 13, I already knew Jesus was my saviour and Lord. It was actually before that, but 13 was when I wanted to profess my faith. But the people there, the, the leadership there, told me I was too young, that I didn't really know, and I had to wait. And I thought, why? How can a man or tell me that I'm too young? At 13, I, have a, I think I had a good mind then. I knew Jesus was my Lord and Saviour. I was following him. And I wanted to participate in communion in the Lord's Supper. I wanted to share in that with people. I thought, oh, I could be a rebel and just come up because we had a table out the front at that time and I could just come up with mum and dad and do it. But I'm not a rebellious person, so I didn't do it. I just sat back. <laughs> anyway, um, so this is similar in a way to what the leaders in Ephesus were saying to um, the people there. They were telling them how to live their lives and what to do. They were saying, you follow this law and you do that. They were doing all the old genealogies, the old covenant laws. But Timothy was going to lead them to say, no, we need to go back to what God says. We need to go back to his truth when we don't understand and to cling to our faith, the belief we have in him. Which brings me to the next point. Hold on when life is tough. So that was a tough time for me in a way because I just wanted to get up there and say, I love Jesus. He's my Lord and Saviour. And also for Timothy, he was young when he had to, Paul told him to stay in Ephesus and do this. Would have been very hard for him. Probably a lot of those leaders would have been fairly old uh, um, there. So, but Paul had faith in him and Paul knew that he could do it and to give them the instructions that they needed. I just want to read... A short excerpt from um, a book called Around the Wicked Gate by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. When we, to hold on. When a man trusts in Christ, there is a point of union between him and God, and that union guarantees blessing. Faith saves us because it makes us cling to Christ Jesus, and he is one with God, and thus brings us into connection with God. I read a story recently that years ago, above the falls of Niagara, a boat capsized. And two men were being carried down by the current when people on the shore managed to float a rope out to them, which was grasped by them both. One of them held tightly to it and was safely pulled to the bank. But the other, seeing a great log floating by, unwisely let go of the rope and grabbed the log instead, since it was bigger and apparently better to cling to. Alas, the log with the man on it went right over the raging falls, 
because there was no union between the wood and the shore. The size of the log was no benefit to him who grasped it. It needed a connection with the shore to produce safety. So, when a man trusts in his works or his prayers or charity or to sacraments or to anything of that sort, he will not be saved because there is no connection between him and God through Christ Jesus. But faith, though it may seem to be like a slender cord, is in the hand of the great God on the shore. Infinite power pulls in the connecting line and thus draws the man from destruction. Oh, the blessedness of faith, because it unites us to God by the Saviour, whom he has appointed, even Jesus Christ. Just want to share something personal again. The past two years for me have been quite hard. Um, I've had more downs than I've had ups. I've struggled to be an empty nester. Daughter Shay moved up to Brisbane two and a half years ago. Prior to that, she was sort of coming and going from Melbourne. So we weren't true empty nesters at that stage yet. Um, and also not having my children need me. Maybe they still need me sometimes. I hope so, Hayden, you still need me sometimes. <laughs> um, it was really tough for me. I love my children very, very much. They're very precious to me. I've also been pretty, always been pretty level-headed. I know what I want and where I'm to be. But during those two years, there were many times I just wanted to run away. I just didn't want to be here anymore. It was very hard. I just didn't want to come back. Satan was working very hard to bring me down. And he was doing everything in his power to get me to waver from the faith I had in, in Jesus. But I thought, no, I'm not going to let you win, Satan. I don't want to be that way. I didn't want to stay in that place. So I became to de determined to not let him win. I got into the scriptures. Every day I put on praise and worship music and I sought out the prayers of my family and close friends. I wrote down everything I was feeling. I'm not normally a journal writer, but I'd wrote down everything I was feeling, what was going through my head. But my plan was to cling to the faith I had in Jesus and to overcome the arrows that Satan was throwing at me. And I'm winning. I'm feeling so much better. I did have to seek professional help. I did have to get some counselling. Sometimes you have to do that. And it's not bad to do that. God has given these people gifts to help you if you need it. So use it. Sometimes I do still have times when Satan will try to bring me down. But I can say I have way more ups than downs now. And it's so good. I feel so much better, so much more free, uh, knowing that just by clinging to the faith I have in Jesus, he will bring me and he'll lift me up and he'll give me the strength that I need to keep going. Have you ever felt like this? Do you feel weighed down? Do you feel that Satan loves to make you feel guilty for everything you do wrong? Does he like to remind you of those things you do wrong? 
it's good to listen to podcasts. And I like to listen to, if I have to drive to Geelong on my own, I often put on a podcast of a message and listen to them. Um, because it's nice, it's just the perfect trip to listen to one. And you pick up lots of things. And I just recently listened to one about a man who, a uh, speaker, made a good point that if we have sin awareness, then we also have grace awareness. As it says there, sin awareness, grace awareness. When trials come, we can often be caught up in the weight of them and it could bring out the wrong things that we don't want to think about. But if we are aware of Jesus' grace and we place those sins against that grace, then the sins or trials won't seem as heavy or burdensome. When we feel the weight, remember the grace that's been given to us. This uh, speaker also said, admit the sin or trial, quit it, and beat it. Don't let it win. Let Jesus do the battling. Stand firm and be strong. Cling to your faith. Hold on tight to your faith. Another area that Satan's at work is through anxiety, stress and depression today. Maybe it's just more talked about today, I don't know, than when I was younger, but it certainly is, seems to be more prevalent. And especially amongst our young people. It's really the pressures of life and all of that is really seems to be happening. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 8, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when we start, Satan starts to put things in our mind, you're not good enough or you can't do that or stresses of life, ah, oh, I can't do it. Think about what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure and lovely and admirable excellent or praiseworthy jesus is excellent think about him and in matthew 6 verse 25 to 27 jesus says therefore i tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You can't. Jesus knows, God knows the days of your life. He has them all numbered. So don't worry. He's got it all in control. I know we are human, and it is hard sometimes to just switch off our worries. But if we just sit with Jesus, pour them all out to him, and leave it with him we can rest in the knowledge that he will handle it because ultimately he's in control anyway i found the best way when you have a concern or a worry write it down write it on a piece of paper bring it to jesus leave it with him don't go back to it you can go back and have a look and say thank you jesus because you got rid of it that's a good thing to do but let him take care of it because he's much better at it than we are 
2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3, For the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So cling to the faith you have in Christ, for the name of Jesus is above everything. He, God sees your tomorrows, he sees all your tomorrows, and he will prepare you, he is able to prepare you for whatever is to come. The circumstances and the obstacles that you see before you today may be truly overwhelming. You may think, how am I going to do this? But God's resources are even greater and more powerful than you can imagine. God knows what is ahead and he is ready to deal with it. He's fighting for you and is working to make all things new. So clear your conscience and focus on his promises for they are yes and amen. We're just going to pause here for a moment and listen to a song that is called Yes and Amen. This song really resonated with me when I was going through my downtime and doing a lot of questioning and a lot of crying and a lot of pouring out my heart to God. But it reminds me that God is faithful and he will never leave me. So maybe during this song, if you have a piece of paper before you, you can write down anything that is bothering you now, any concerns that you may have. Write it down and give it to God and remember that his promises are yes and amen. Thanks, guys.
you have poured out grace you brought me out of darkness you have filled me with peace giver of mercy you're my help in time of need beautiful savior you have brought me near you pulled me from the ashes you have broken every curse blessed redeemer you have set this captive free faithful you are faithful forever you will be faithful you are all your promises are yes and amen and i will rest in your promises and my confidence is in your faithfulness i hope you can find that today too which brings me to my third point to hold on in truth into god's promises that are yes and amen just want to read to you from 1 timothy chapter 6 from verses 11 to 21 so this is the closing chapter in the book of First Timothy. And Paul's just telling Timothy to hold on. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, 
who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the truth. Grace be with you all. The song reminds us that our Father is faithful, that all his promises are yes and amen. When we go through trials or get confused, rest in his promises and have confidence in his faithfulness. In this passage that we just read now, Paul reminds Timothy also to continue to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. He tells him to continue fighting the good fight and to be strong in the Lord. And he finally, he instructs Timothy to not listen to godless chatter and to be on guard about any false teaching. He tells Timothy to protect himself and the only way he can do that is by holding on to the truth, to the faith that he has in Jesus with a good conscience. So for you, look to the truth. The same, this same charge that Paul gave to Timothy is for us today. Look to the truth, the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and only in him can we have grace and faith. When we know the truth, it sets us free. John 8 verse 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So by getting into his word, meditating on it, the truth will help us through the doubts, the trials and the tough times. It's only in trusting him, seeking his face and meditating on his word that we're able to see past these things and live with a clear conscience. We know that it is only God who saves. It's not anything we've done or what we have to continue to do, but by resting in the knowledge that God wants to abide in us and he wants us to walk with him. We need to live a life of strength and fulfilment in him. Not allowing the worry or stress of life to bring us down. Not listening to what others may be telling us we have to do, but being discerners of what is right before God. Seeking him and his face only, knowing that we need to rest in him, knowing his truth. So, what does this look like today? When we hear that things don't seem quite right, we begin to doubt. When times are tough and the stress of life brings us down, we can hold on to the faith and the truth we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's holding on to us, even though we may be struggling to hold on to him. So draw on his strength and peace and hold on tight. Keep your conscience clear. 
cling to him, cling to the faith that you have in him. I just want to read to you from my little Jesus Calling book. Each day there's a great word from Jesus in here. And this was just on Thursday. Trust me and don't be afraid. I want you to view trials as exercises designed to develop your trust muscles. You live in the midst of fierce spiritual battles and fear is one of Satan's favourite weapons. When you start to feel afraid, affirm your trust in me. Speak out loud if circumstances permit. Resist the devil in my name and he will slink away from you. Refresh yourself in my holy presence. Speak or sing praises to me and my face will shine radiantly upon you. Remember that there is no condemnation for those who belong to me. You have been judged not guilty for all eternity. Trust me and don't be afraid for I am your strength, song and salvation. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the faith that you have put in each person here. For the love that you have just showered upon each person. That no matter what we've done, you love us. You will take us in. You will hold us tight to you. And Lord, when we go through the tough times and the trials, the pains, when people put things in our head, help us to be discerners. To go back to your word and your truth, knowing what you say to us through your word and Lord when trials and tough times come help us to just focus on you to sing praises to your name to lift up your name the mighty name of Jesus that overcomes any arrows that Satan might put against us keep us strong Lord in the faith clinging tight to it with a good and clear conscience focusing on your righteousness your love, your faithfulness, being pure, noble, excellent, and praiseworthy before you, Lord. And I pray for anyone here who doesn't know this saving love of Jesus, I pray that the words today may have touched their hearts, Lord. They will see that they need you in their life, that they will reach out to you and cling to you and grasp that faith that they can have in you, Lord Jesus. Bless each person here, Lord, as they go from this place, that, that your word may have permeated in their heart and their mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. The song we're going to sing now has been my real go-to song during my tough times, and it still is. And it's Raise a Hallelujah. Because it says in the song, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. So let's sing now if you're facing a storm or whatever you're going through. Let's raise a hallelujah to Jesus. Jesus. 